is one of those psalms that I feel like at times a little more unravels for me, but there's more to find. Let's go through the life of Moses just a bit before we get into this psalm. You remember he had a, a rather special birth where uh, he's part of a slave family. They were told to kill him. They don't. He's hidden, and then he ends up growing up in Pharaoh's household, which is a miracle, right, for that transition. So he grows up in the dominant culture, but he's tied to the minority. And at some, cho- some point, he makes this choice that says, what I have with that small culture, the minority culture, is there's something that's more resonates in that in me than, than the dominant culture. And he chooses to be identified as an Israelite. So in that, uh, you realize that the Israelites were slaves and had been enslaved for 400 years. So he is abandoning the wealth and the, the wonder of the dominant family of the prominent culture for the slave group. You know, and for us to get a picture of that, you know, in some countries, you know, we hear different stories, one's coming back of, of uh, even in our day, of slaves, so to speak, of, of different countries where a person has to live in the factory, they get fed, and that's all that they get. But they work all day long, they, you know, eat, sleep right there at the factory, no wages, no, it's just that's their life. So for the Israelites to be making bricks and to have to find their own stuff, theirs was a, a miserable life, and yet he chooses this. And then the, one of the next pictures you see of him, of when this transition is going on at 40 years old, he kills a man over this cultural exchange. You know, it might be good for you and I to understand that, you know, just because the, the majority is making one declaration, something is resonating in our hearts that says, that's not so, and I can't live that way. So Moses, at this point, tries to affect things and change it on his own, but ends up killing man, and the impression you get is with his own bare hands. Thankfully, we've not had the experiences like that, but you can imagine the brutality of it. But he also has to run from his life, for his life, and for the next 40 years is off in the wilderness and in a desert just hiding out. So his life is drastically changed by this murder. Now in this psalm, we're going to see he's saying, you know, a person normally lives 70 to 80 years. At 80 years old, he gets his call to ministry. So he's already lived what would have been the natural life Now he's really starting the supernatural as a part of this call. So that said, he comes back, and he, uh, obviously, from the story we read, leads Israel out of Egypt, and one of their first encounters with God is at at Mount Sinai, and there's fire and lightning and smoke and thunder, and God speaks in a loud voice and scares the dickens out of them. Is dickens a Christian word? I, I'm not sure. 
I had another phrase I was going to use. I'm going, that's even less appropriate. Although it's a probably a part of all of our speaking. Scared the pee out of them. Right? But it's for a purpose. He says, I'm doing this so that you can fear me and not live profanely. And one of the challenges all through their experience in the wilderness is, how do you live with a holy God? God's saying, if I dwell there in the midst of you, I'm going to end up killing all of you. And, you know, they have this tabernacle, so they, they see, and it's a central part of their worship. They also know this is a dangerous place as well. So they're experiencing fear and joy over this experience of traveling through. And I want to make a note right here. Moses may well have seen as much death as any person that we would ever know or hear of. So not just this murder, but he was the one that watched the firstborn die in Egypt. He also saw the, the Egyptian military die in the Red Sea. He was the one that will watch over a million people die in the next 40 years after they had failed to follow God's directives. There were times when there were, were plagues that were as many as, as 20 to 40,000 people died at one time. Can you imagine the bodies in that moment and having to deal with that? So he's regularly encountering death. And so when we get into this psalm and he's talking about the sorrow of life and the struggle of life and death, he has a perspective that you and I don't normally have, an association with this. Furthermore, he would have understood that with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, that death came as a result of sin. That would have been clear in his thinking. You know, we, we go, yep, that's quick, let's get to Christ. He would have been not that far past the time of Noah when the world was wiped out through a flood. He would have understood the history of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so he would have had all this history of death as a result of sin. He would have understood the, the, the scourge of sin and what it does and the why we die. He had yet to encounter Christ. That's in the future. He had, ex he had yet to encounter the New Testament church and the joy of what that involves. But he understood the price of sin in a way that probably we will never encounter. He is watching it on a daily basis. There are complications to having God on sight, so to speak. And when he starts talking about the wrath of God and, and what it is in regard to sin, he has an understanding that we don't normally associate and maybe we haven't explored to the depths that he would have done. He didn't know the joy of Christ or the Spirit's outpouring. We live in a privileged season. But let's walk through this psalm and let's allow his voice to speak to us out of this. Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from ever to everlasting, you are God. He's making a declaration. He says, God, you're eternal. You've always been and always will be. 
You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Here's the contrast, he says. Our lives are so abbreviated, it's just like a blink of your time. You, you have a perspective of the entire thing. You've created it all, you understand it all, you know it all. But when it comes to our lives, gone. I never could snap my fingers. <laughs> Help me somewhat. Gone. <laughs> You're good. Okay. You sweep people away in the sleep of death. They're like new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it's dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. To understand this psalm, you have to understand that God's feeling towards sin or his expression towards sin is wrath. And it's anger. Why do people die? Why did Adam and Eve, why were they told, you're not going to live? One sin was enough. Moses gets it. He understands the fruit of this thing. He's watching bodies drop year after year after year. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 or 80 years. If our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. So he's saying, you know, we live through this life, but it's a struggle. And there's complications to it, and it's attached to our sin and the expression of your anger towards sin. That's the dark side, right? That's the complications. One of the things that I, I find is that at times I, I have good friends, and when I'm expressing to them, you're depressed because your lifestyle is profane, and you keep walking into this stupidity, and you want a different answer. And they go, oh, yeah, well, yeah. And, and then they go do it again. And I'm going, why waste my breath? But at the same time, it's easier for me to spot in them than it is in myself. You know, the patterns of futility that I walk in, I've, been, I've through time, have managed to ignore regularly. And so it's only the grace of God at moments I get glimpses of insight that point to truth. But all of us can look at others and say, wow, that's the fruit of sin. It's obvious. Because we see that there's an effect of it. But here he says, If we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. So in this wilderness experience, they encounter the holiness of God and, and he, they see there's a price to pay for his presence in guiding them. They have this hope of of the promised land, and they know that he's a part of their lives, but at the same time, they understand there's an anger or wrath towards sin that is not abandoned just because of the people of God. And there's a challenge for you and I in looking at that to say, do I really embrace that so that I fully understand the grace that is mine through Christ? 
because I don't fully recognize the joy of what I have in him until I understand how awful this is in God's sight and how he refuses to embrace it. He goes on. Here's a turning point in this psalm. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So with all of that said, and this isn't just about, well, help me to make good choices financially for my years and help me to make you know, good decisions relationally for my years. It's, it's not just about helping me, but it's recognizing my life is just a wisp of time. I am not guaranteed this afternoon or this evening or tomorrow. So help me to make the most of now in you. Help me to number my days properly. You know, ideally, you know, we'd have this experience where in the morning we're talking with the Lord and in the afternoon we're with him. And he's going, mind-blowing, isn't it? Good transition here. You know, it's like, hey, you're at peace in this moment and in the morning and in the afternoon we're together and it's, this is your new life. I mean, ideally, that's what I would step into. The relationship is ongoing. The conversation is there. The location changes. That's what I would desire. Teach me to number my days so that that's a potential. He goes on, relent, Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. So he's making this declaration, even though the wrath of God is against all sin and ungodliness. He says the unfailing love of God has the power to even dominate that. The picture, of course, of the future is Christ coming to earth and dying for our sin. But Moses is catching it and saying, your love is there. Remember when he had the encounter on the mountain with God and he says, I want to see you. And God says, well, you're going to see a portion, but I'm going to shelter you in this rock. When he walks by, what did he say? The gracious and compassionate Lord. What's he saying? The dominant trait of my being and personality is compassion. So he calls out and says, relent, satisfy in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad even as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. He's saying our lives are very complicated because of our sin and the sin of others and, and the struggle that we have as a result of that. But he said, let us understand your joy even so. Work in our hearts in such a way that we catch a glimpse of what is in you. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of our Lord, our God, rest on us. Let that be. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So even with this incredible understanding of sin and death and, and seeing it over and over again, 
he has this glimpse of the eternal and this hope that is resident in his heart, declaring, God, there's still something here of joy in you. Let me see it. Let me participate. I guess what I throw out to you is that each of us has to be aware that our sin isn't just brushed aside or set off. There's a consequence every time. The very reason it's labeled sin is because it has a destructive effect on our lives. And so when we step into it, yeah, does he forgive us? Absolutely. But is there a consequence attached to that? Usually. Is there a sorrow connected? Yes. Is there difficulty going to be as a result? Yes, absolutely. But there's still a grand hope because of our Savior and the opportunity of having our lives rebuilt in him. One of the things that you know Moses encountered, remember, the Spirit is on him in power, and he's saying this weight is too much, and they distribute it, you know, and it, it, there are a number of elders that receive it. He says, and, and Joshua comes and says, somebody's not participating properly, and, and Moses goes, I wish that everybody could have this. And what's the essence of Jesus going and saying, I'm going to send a comforter back to you. And this shall be for all people. Moses saw a glimpse and said, this is my hope. And Jesus is making the declaration, this is what is. What is available to each of us. So you and I grew up in a setting where we don't necessarily have to, to walk through this like that. We don't necessarily encounter the death every day the sorrows of what sin has done in that measure. And much of our experience has been built around this knowledge that Christ has set us free. And we have this privilege of having his voice speak into our lives through his spirit. And we, we don't necessarily have that same depth of experience, but the truth is it is a reality that we have the privilege of, of just seeing through this passage. Say, God, thank you that you set me free. Help me to encounter the sins that are a part of my life and just to refuse to walk further in that. But to see your release set me free of these things and to see the change of life that's available to me. These encounters with God don't ever have to stop. It doesn't matter how old you are, if you're willing to hear his truth, it will be there for you on a daily basis. And you will have opportunity to make change that will lead you into greater spiritual health than you have had before. You have to make the choice, so. And you have to be willing to call sin for what it is and declare it is death to me. But I'd rather live in life. That's our privilege. My prayer for each of you this morning is that if you're struggling with a particular sin and you've been allowing it, that you'd say, I can't continue on this way. Set me free. And if you're willing to just say, this is evil and vile and I do not want it a part of my life anymore. I'm stepping away from that. The grace of God is washing it away, but it's his continued power that will truly bring a full 
restoration and healing that's available and set me free. I declare to you that's working in my life, and I know it. And I know many of you, through your testimony, similar things that should inspire each of us toward hope that says no matter what this is doing in me now, I know that God can change this and free me. Um, I want to make one transition before we step into prayer. Um, just as Moses had this insight into death and this, the price of sin, um, there are different gifts that get given to people at different times in different communities and groups. And one of the things that this group has functioned in for probably the last 12 years at least is that through our prayer at times there have been prophetic things that take place. And it, it's become commonplace, so to speak, to the place where you just kind of, well, that's what we do. Well, it, it's a gift. It, it, it wasn't, you know, we, did we earn it or manufacture? No, it just, it, it's a part of who we are. It's part of our understanding at this point. And so it's, it's natural to us. Um, does it make us better than anyone else? Or, no, it's got nothing to do with that. It's just something that we've stepped into. And, and it's been a joy to, to walk in that. And so when you hear these stories coming out, why? Well, it's just what God decided to do in us. And it's been our privilege for this time. You know, in the same way, um, he's gifted us with this privilege of working with students through the last years. And um, that has its own unique things. You know, where we go after things that are connected with students more than we would with other groups. Uh, why? Just because that's what God's made us up to be. 